0: Before we get going this week, I thought I'd just remind you that I'm a certified business strategist who's been in property for over 25 years. I know my clients shortcut their success by being laser focused through strategy and mentoring, as no one business model fits us all because funding, geography, skill set, it all plays a part in deciding what works for you. Getting it wrong can definitely damage your wealth. If you're serious about property, then your first step is a call with me. Nothing more difficult than following the link in the show notes to book it. Hello, and welcome to the Property Solopreneur Podcast, a show for property investors and developers who want to build and grow their own profitable businesses. I'm sharing with you my decades of property experience and interviewing many other successful property people who are happy to share their varied and priceless knowledge freely business doesn't need to be hard and nor do you need to be lucky. But as a certified strategist, I know you need a plan to work to. And a good start is by listening to other people's successes and failures. Why reinvent the wheel? This allows us to have a more in-depth knowledge of the wider property world. Welcome to this week's episode of The Property Solopreneur, Britain's most approachable, likeable and no-nonsense property podcast say, one of my listeners. Thank you so much, Anna, for that lovely review. And may I say I love hearing what people think about my podcast and suggestions that people send in as to who I might be able to interview. In fact, my guest today is someone that was suggested to me by listeners. Um, I'm now into my third year of recording this podcast and I'm still gaining new listeners who are telling me loud and clear that they love the combination of my story and knowledge as well as the wide variety of guests who who are inspiring, informing, and motivating them to do all sorts of different things in property. It's very easy not to know everything, different ways of working in property, because we all work on our own. But when you hear somebody's story or someone talking about it on a podcast, it quite often leads you to those little uh aha moments when you think, gosh, why don't I try and do that? So if you enjoy listening, could I just ask you to spend a moment rating it with stars and leaving a brief review? You don't have to write more and peace. It's very easy to do it from your mobile or whatever platform you listen to. Um, and it really does help others to be shown it when they're searching for something new to listen to. And my word, do we property people like listening to podcasts? However, we all in property have one thing in common, I think. We we all came into property for a different reason and with our own unique combination of knowledge, income, and aptitude for risk, that is what sets us all apart from each other. Because there is no correct way to come into property. There's no set pathway as to what you need to do or learn in what order in order to be successful. You can do it whatever way you like. It is a common misconception that people buy a single let, do a few of those, really enjoy them. Then they progress to HMOs, various sorts of different things there, And then perhaps try a little bit of developing. Let's have a go at building something out of the ground. Well, my guest today, Charlotte Edwards, she didn't get that memo. She only started building a portfolio when she was two-thirds of the way through her first development of 25 new builds. I think that might do. Well, welcome to the Property Solopreneur, Charlotte. And for those who've not met you or seen your socials or know anything about you, who are you and what do you do?
1: Okay, so my name's Charlotte Edwards. I'm accidental female developer on Instagram. And I am a property developer, property investor, uh, and I
0: also do a bit of coaching. Fantastic. So we'll go straight into that first bit, which is the accidental bit. Yes. I laugh because there's may, many, many people are accidental because they you know, they started off as a landlord and got into it. But you had an awfully large accidental, didn't you, into getting into property? Because you were something completely different and you weren't expecting to go sideways. How did that all happen? I didn't want to go into property. <laughs> it wasn't. And, um, you know, given the choice again
1: now, I probably wouldn't make the same decision. But um, at the time, it was... Um, so my dad and my brother had a property development company that they worked in together, proper boys, boys brigade together on the construction site, hands-on getting dirty every day. And, and they loved it. And, um, I was a marketing consultant. I had my own business doing that. So I was very happy doing that. I'd never stepped foot on a construction site or a, I wasn't involved whatsoever. Oh, so not at all.
0: Completely blue sky.
1: Yes. I actually didn't even own a property at that point. I, I'd never even bought a property. I lived in rent and rented
0: so completely <laughs> uninterested, <laughs> not my boat, and Never. what happened? Why did you end up doing property then? Um,
1: so sadly, my brother, um, he was only 28 at the time, but he um, developed a very aggressive cancer and passed away very quickly. And then I think it was six weeks later that my dad also got a very aggressive cancer and passed away then. Um Yeah. I mean, I think it was about, they passed away within four months of each other. Oh my word. So yeah. So it kind of turned my world upside down for sure. I mean, my poor mum as well, bless her, um, who cared for both of them was definitely turned upside down, but it left a decision to make because what happened is they had taken on a seven figure bank loan to buy a piece of development land that had planning permission for 25 properties. A lot of that money had been used up on cancer treatment, which hadn't worked. Right. So there wasn't quite there wasn't much left in the pot. No. Certainly not enough to build two houses, let alone 25. So I had to make a decision. And actually, one of the first phone calls I had after my dad passed was the bank manager. That's not the one you were making. So yes. He rang me. And and I said, Well, what 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 are you going to do? And and, you know, my dad had never wanted me to go into property because I'd said, Oh, maybe you might want me to like expand the family business one day or do property. And he's like, no. And like, you would hate it. It's like, you just wouldn't like it. No, just stay what you're doing. It's safer. It's nicer. You You do what you do. So that's it. I never questioned it. And I enjoyed what I did in marketing. So it just didn't, it never even occurred to me that I would do anything with property.
0: So that was that was decision number one that you had to make. The, the first in many, many decisions, because property is all about flow charts, isn't it? Do I say yes or no? Um, right. And after every yes or no, you then have another series of questions to answer. So you so- obviously said to the bank manager, I'm running with this. Yeah,
1: he, he might have thought I'd got experience in this and I might not have corrected him. <laughs> <laughs> so we... Yeah. Um, (laughs) um, I think I was a bit delusional at the time though, you know, because I think I was probably in sort of in shock, in grief and not really make like a a sound mind
0: to make any sort of calculated decisions. I think that uh, this, there is a word, a phrase that I use for this and that's uh, the confident of the totally ignorant. Yes. Correct. Would I have made the same decision now? No way. Because I know about it, and that's because you have, you know, you you don't know your unknowns. You have no concept of what this really means because you probably do this too. But people who are good at property in any form or or, or shape make it look easy, and it's not, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> so what was no. the fir- What was the? What were the first problems that you started encountering? Oh my goodness! I mean, the
1: first day that I stepped foot on the development site. HSE turned up. So for for listeners who don't know, yeah, health and safety who are like they have more powers than the police. Yes. Like they can just shut you down, they can fine you. They rolled up on site and said, Right, where's your welfare facilities? You know, where's this? Where's your health and safety certificates? Where's this? Where's that? I had nothing. Okay. I just pulled up with my car onto the field and gone, right? What am I doing here? And Obviously, they just started dishing out the fines straight away because I had no idea. So one of the first things I did was put myself on a five-day health and safety course. So I thought, right, well, that's my
0: first issue, so I'm going to have to learn about that. And actually, having just done a very big build out the back here with our our wedding venue, that was the first person who came on site. She was on absolutely every pre-site meeting for an 18 months prior to starting, and you know, remained completely silent at most meetings, and then would put her hand up and go. Ugh. May I just, you know, and you go, oh look, what have we got to do now? But she's absolutely right. It meant the whole bill went smoothly. People forget health and safety, terribly important. So after you've gone over your terrible fright about that, how do you get on with the yeah, you know, this is a blank piece of land. Was there planning for a start?
1: There was full planning, but of course I didn't know that. And I didn't even know what full planning was. And I had no plans. There was no computer records. My dad was really, really old school. Everything was in his head. His office was inside the cab of his transit van. Yeah. And his sort of method of communication was phone calls. So there was no email trail. There was nothing. The only thing I had was I had his mobile phone and next to each name he'd put like John Plummer or, you know, Dave Windows. Oh, so that was my, (laughs) that was my only sort of clue. And I so worked my way through his phone book, calling these people and asking like, what's going on do we have paperwork like, have you been assigned to this project
0: or so so yeah that that was how i started so really really steep learning curve and you had to get it right first time to survive because this you know and we we know because no spoiler alert here you obviously did get it right or you wouldn't still be in property um, and you wouldn't be interviewing me <laughs> <No>. <laughs> So I can let that little cat out of the bag. At what point did you think, actually, this is starting to work? I feel I'm getting a a grip on it all. Gosh, I think it wasn't probably
1: until about two years in. Gosh. Because, of course, as soon as I started, so I took over and, oh, it's my four-year anniversary, actually. I think maybe today.
0: Oh, happy anniversary. Um,
1: (laughs) A prophecy. COVID, of course, November 19 was just before COVID started. So, COVID came in, you know, from what December, everyone was talking about it in December, then January and February was the lockdown. So, it all started. And of course, I probably had more problems than anyone else who had ever started in property at any time before because, of course, everything got locked down. I've got two young children, the school's shut. Oh, my
0: word. So, I had two young children. And so, this is where backup comes in. And, you know, your mother helped, didn't she? She did. Yeah. Luckily she was looking for something to
1: do to keep her occupied. So I trained her up as, um, she's my office manager, I would say, but you know, she had been an office manager in the 1980s, right? So her methods were somewhat outdated. She does still use an, in, you know, box with the index cards.
0: Oh yeah. So do
1: I. <laughs> yeah. She still used that. I'm like, mum, can we get that on a spreadsheet? No, I know where everything is here. So bless her. So I sort of like had to, you know, show her how Outlook emails worked to the spreadsheets and things like that. But she's great. Like she's 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 my best employee. She works like six days a week and just does
0: it for the love of it, you know. So she she's fully supportive, fantastic. But and then you, <laughs> so you had that side. But of course, for those of us who were doing work in COVID times, we then had the problem of supply of some right. items a you couldn't get it and secondly it went the price went through the roof so this was a very steep learning curve you've got more than one curve ball coming towards you had not you yeah i used to joke
1: it was like it was easier probably to get hold of cocaine than it was to get hold of cement yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, you just couldn't get back a back of cement for love and all money no <laughs> no and uh uh plaster as well wasn't it plaster yep. um and uh, fast board, absolutely. Fast board, well, we dab, were very yeah. lucky
0: because we'd actually got it all in ahead of time because we've got storage here. So we were just going, "Oh, thank goodness! What, what a joy!" Uh, yeah, that. that that was fine. But you had to do that, and then of course you started to see things coming out of the ground. Were you able to sell the early ones before, whilst you were still completing, or did you have to do the whole site at once? No, we did start selling.
1: I made the mistake of selling off plan. Actually, I was worried made that decision just to start selling off plan because it was a scary time with COVID. Yep. I was in a lot of debt and I thought, oh my God, like at least the bank manager will be happy if I can say, yep. oh, I've got, you know, four houses reserved or something, reserved reserve off plan. But we all know what happened to house prices between, you know, 2020 to 2021, 2022, like they just yep. shot up like that. So the, the houses that I'd reserved off plan, I'd reserved at like 2020 prices but I was paying 2021 20, materials prices to actually build them. Yeah. So that was probably one of the first big
0: mistakes that I made. But, but, but you got cash flow. Yes, I'd got cash flow. Yeah. And cash flow is I'd king and, flow. and without it, you sunk.
1: Absolutely. And you know, it kept the bank happy. Yes. Um, because they could see that you know properties were being reserved and things. So when it came to financing, and I guess I made the decision that was right at the time, but in hindsight, yes, you did. Yes,
0: I could Mr. have made the more money not can doing that. Pull the plug. Exactly. So you you did that, and you did th- Did all of them sell, or did you keep some for yourself? Well, when
1: it got to so fifty percent of the way through, so we're like what twelve houses in, managed to pay off most of the debt. Yep, and then I would say 75. No, more than 50% in, or 60, 70% in, managed to pay off most of the debt. And so 70% onwards, then you're into profit. Yep. It's like, oh, we've actually got money in the bank now. I can pay myself a wage, which I hadn't been able to do. Yep. We can even start hiring people that know what they're doing because I'd just, I'd been the project manager, the site manager, everything because I couldn't afford to hire one. Yep. Um, so I'd, I'd, made, I'd made that up as I, as I went along as well. So it was like, right, we're in a position now where I can actually invest, so I don't need to sell these houses. So we did. So yeah, the last, I think the last two houses we actually decided to keep and rent. And again, that was from my education, learning about different property strategies and looking at, you know, house valuations over decades and thinking, oh, actually in 10 years time, these properties will be worth twice what they're worth now. Yeah. So I've just got to sit on them.
0: It is is about being able to finance the holding, isn't it? And then it yes. becomes free money almost.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know they work. I you know I spoke to the bank manager about is this a good idea? Will you be able to lend to me on future developments against these? Yes, yes. So I was like, okay, I think this is probably a good idea then. So that's
0: an interesting thing you've just said then. You were already thinking, "Hmm, quite like this. I'm going to do some more because you're asking the bank manager whether you will lend some more." You know this Clearly, light bulb had gone off in your mind. You've obviously got started. You've got a team building around you. How did you find the next project? Because it didn't fall into your lap. Okay,
1: the next project. Actually, it's worth mentioning. While I was so while I was doing the first development, I had no income. So I did have fifty grand of savings. Yep. And I thought, but I could easily blow through that in a year. So I need to invest that to give me more return. I didn't want to invest in the development company because at that point, I thought.
0: Yep. That's just could, like plugging could, yeah, a black absolutely. hole at the
1: moment. <laughs> so, and it might not, especially with COVID, I thought this might not go my way. So I researched kind of BRR, right? Yep, BRRR, buy to let, build to rent. Yep. And I managed to create a portfolio of 10 houses in 10 months, which paid me the equivalent of my marketing salary. So by the end of the second year, by the time I'd completed the development, I also had created, generated an income for myself regardless of what happened to the development company.
0: Absolutely. So th- this is what I, I mean, I always talk about you know, multiple streams of income through property. You've got to have different business models going on within your one big brain power and, and money coming in. Because- there'll always be one thing that's going up, one thing that's static and one thing that's losing money. So you need to to mix it about. But did you sleep at all? Because there you are running this large site and you're buying what basically one property a month ready for your, uh, and, and presumably if it is a refurbishment and getting your money back out again. They're not just off the peg, you had to do something with them. So you've got more builders off site somewhere else doing things. Yeah. Busy, busy time. Yeah. I
1: I do often think back about how that actually happened. And it was a bit of a crazy plan. Again, if I was I think I was grieving then and looking for something to occupy my time and my mind. Good thing to occupy you though. Well, in, now i think, mean, wow, what a great. I'd probably again never do it now because also during COVID, like what else could you do? You couldn't go out and socialise. You couldn't go on nope. a holiday. What nope. else could, what else was I gonna do other than buy houses and refurb them?
0: <laughs> very, very, absolutely true. And you saw that that was exactly what you needed to do. But to be honest, many people would have just gone, Oh, thank God, I paid the bank off. We've got a few bits of profit in the bank. I'm going to keep a few of those. I've got my nice little portfolio. Now I'm just going to relax and bring up the children. But that's not what you did, was it? No. no. Most people would think that, wouldn't they? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because most, most people, you had just created financial freedom. Correct. But actually, that that wasn't what you're. You're also about geographical freedom, aren't you? I am. Yes. I also, at the same time, love a challenge, right?
1: And I think it's so exhilarating to take on something that you don't think you'll be able to do, and then you manage to achieve it. And you're like, "Oh, that's quite a thrill to be able to do something that actually loads of people told me I wouldn't be able to do." Yeah, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. So, and I need something to fill my time. I need something to occupy my brain. And I was all in on property. By the end of that development, I was all in, you know, that was all my knowledge. My will centered around property at that point.
0: So perfect. But did you think now I'm going to do the next development? Was it another biggie or was it a small one? No, you know, at the time I didn't understand about having a pipeline. Right.
1: I was going to say development. And I didn't understand how long things took to get through legals, to get through planning. And I kind of left it too late because again, I wasn't acting as the CEO of this development company. I was on the ground all the time. Yep. Doing really sort of menial tasks instead of looking at the bigger picture and missed to get another project in the pipeline because I was so obsessed with finishing the one that I was on.
0: But that actually if you're first, it's not a bad thing because you you suddenly realize this one of the things I remember learning on my first project was that everything takes far longer than you imagine. Correct. Everything, yeah. Even everything. down to plastering, it may only take three days. But it takes another three weeks to be pay, you know, dryable to the standard which you can use it. So therefore, actually, plastering did not take three days. And it's all that kind of knowledge. So you probably have given yourself the best education known to man in property just by being in the weeds to get yourself through that first project. But now you can stay well out and, and you know, be the CEO and do everything. So, how did you find that next project? So that next project, again, I didn't know how to
1: find a project. So I'm like looking on Rightmove going wow, there's not many development projects. Like I just <laughs> thought
0: everything came off Rightmove. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that is a kind of common misconception. Because actually, my
1: buy-to-let portfolio that I built up, all of those were from Rightmove. Yep, and so I you know, and I'd never bought development land before. I didn't know what I was doing. So I, what did I do? Oh, I, I just, again, I educated myself, right? How do other the developers do it? I'm like looking on Instagram, I'm watching YouTube, I'm reading books. I'm like, oh, okay. There's off market deals. How do I get these off market deals? So then I start thinking, right, okay, I'm going to have to befriend some land agents, right? Because these land agents are the ones that are going to hold. I live in quite, um, a rural area. So a lot of Yes, you're on the Shropshire Welsh border, aren't you? Correct. Yeah. So a lot of the land comes from or is owned by farmers or farming families. And then it, you know, it it ends up within the planning boundaries. And and so they traditionally go to land agents, very like established land agents. And that kind of how it works here. And so that's what I did. And and I built credibility with agents. Yep. And just kept calling them and saying, I need a project. I need a project. What have you got? And you know looked at some things that
0: weren't suitable and eventually landed on some things that were. yeah, and you got them and you got them under your belt and sold. and once once people have seen what you can do, they go,, oh, I'm working with her again.
1: Yeah, I mean, I had no credibility and no like I wouldn't have trusted in me at the beginning. Like who would nobody would have nobody would have lent
0: me the money at the beginning. <laughs> we all have to start somewhere. And the other interesting thing about you, as we just touched it, you work on those on the border, so you actually work under two planning systems.
1: Yes. Now, all my projects so far have been on the English side, but I do have two projects in legals at the moment, and one of them in planning on the Welsh side. Oh, and is that going to be very different? Because we hear that Wales is very different. I'm. I mean, I'm learning new things every day about this because I'm negotiating at the moment with like getting the the concept of the site drawn up and things and, and finding out that, oh, you know, adoptable highways. What did I find out today? Oh, adoptable highways. They don't need a T-junction at the end in Wales, but they do in England. Yep. Just little things. Obviously inside the houses, I think we have to have a sprinkler system in Wales, yep. whereas we don't in England. So there are little things. And of course, both of those things change all the time in England and Wales with the building regs. Yep. So- you know even working with my planners they they're constantly having to update their knowledge and and then they're updating me so it's a it's a whole process of And
0: that that's why it's so good to work with planning consultants because that is their job that's what they're indemnified against because you know you snooze and you lose with planning regs, uh, regs don't you because things happen so quickly and you can end up either having to replace a whole system because you haven't got it there or it's the wrong sort uh or you just can't sell out at the end so it's really important you do keep on top of them but it should presumably there. You don't have a lot of competition in your area, or do you on in the Welsh borders? I think
1: we do. You know, I
0: mean, it's not. I don't know. I, I've got nothing
1: to compare it with because this is just my area. We, but there are there are a lot bigger competitors than me out there.
0: Who uh, absolutely because this is a common misconception by people because I live in the sticks. You know, I'm an hour from a supermarket, yeah. and uh, you know. There is this conception that uh, basically Everest in the town, there's lots of competition. It's so difficult to work in a city, in a town, and you lucky you lucky things that work in the countryside. But actually, those of us who work in the countryside, we've got competitors as well who only work in the countryside because that's what we know. So you're up against your the same people coming against you time and time again, aren't you? And after COVID, of course, where did everyone want to live? They wanted to live in the countryside?
1: So all of a sudden, you know, the bigger developers are going, oh, let's start looking at those sites in the, in the countryside. And so I feel like as an SME developer, you're always problem solving and looking at sites that maybe the big ones have overlooked or they just prefer to just take on a bigger. So I, so I look at sites up to, I mean, I'd look at anything up to 50. Right. Okay. And as low as five, five to 50. So it's a, it's a big, the bigger the site, the bigger the competition. Yes.
0: Yes. But also, the nearer you go into a village or a a small town, the smaller the development is going to be because of the regulations. And more likely, there is to be movements against the development. Have you come up against um, (laughs) those who dislike the idea of a new development on their
1: doorstep? I don't think I've met anyone who wants a new development on their doorstep. And I get it. I wouldn't want one on my doorstep either. However, what I would say, what I usually say to those neighbours is, look, somebody's going to build on your doorstep. Do you want it to be Barrett Holmes or do you want it to be me that lives 10 minutes away, who really cares about what gets built here and is going to be here overseeing this development? I see. Because they're, they're the options. Yeah.
0: It, 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 we well, see, I, I I wear both hats because I'm actually uh, a parish councillor as well. And I have, defe- oh, and I have defeated- Oh, Rachel. And a- I've changed my opinion on it. <laughs> And I have I have defeated developers at county level who lost at appeal as well, so have stopped developments in various areas. Um, so I see it from both sides, and I've also supported some. So um, you know, against great outpourings of wrath, frankly, but it is it is something that. People coming into property have got to realise that it's it's not not everyone's on our side. Not everyone's going, oh, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. They're going to build 20 new houses. It's not always views viewed that way, is it? It's never viewed that way in my
1: experience. <laughs> um And you know, I've stopped reading the comments online. I don't read the comments. No. And my plan actually, my planning team say, Oh, you know, you need to read the comments because we know what we're up against. So I don't know, you read the comments because the comments just annoy me. Because usually they're just sort of personal
0: attacks. Yes. It's it's a, it's got to be a, <laughs> it's got to be a valid planning reason to be. So the last big one that we dealt with, uh, I think there was something like two or so hundred comments. And when we were actually talking to the planners, we were because um, I'd read them all. I went, well, "We're only talking five problems, really, aren't we?" And you went, "Yes," because of course the other two hundred were all yeah. about views. They were all, all about. Birds singing in the trees, all these things that actually aren't a real planning problem. Mm. I mean, and I had
1: one recently. We don't want strangers mm-hmm. living here.
0: Oh, yes. Yep. Absolutely. Yes.
1: That's like the level of people that you're dealing with. <laughs> like, they just don't want anyone
0: else in the village whatsoever. <laughs> but they also forget, of course, that there are people in the village who need places to live because they children have children. Like I like to remind them,
1: their house was also a new build about five years ago and they wouldn't live here had that estate not
0: been built. So Yeah. Absolutely. But get, this all comes back to the fact that you've got all sorts of, you've got a pipeline and so you've got everything from probably just being finished to all the way back where it's just a dream, isn't it really? A wish, an idea. How do you keep all those plates in the air? So. so right now
1: I'm finishing off three new build houses and they've just, their roof on, they're at first fixed stage. I've got 54 houses in the pipeline, right? So that is what I spend most of my time doing at the moment day to day is I'm fielding inquiries from solicitors and working with my planning consultant to get applications in. I'm also working on option agreements for adjoining pieces of land as well. So my role really now is finding the project, it's securing the finance and keeping an eye on the build team, but not getting involved as as much as I possibly cannot get involved.
0: Absolutely, and do you fundraise traditionally through banks and all that sort of thing, or do you have investors who just love what you do and want to, you know, be part of the of the journey, so to speak? I prefer working
1: with like institutions than people, right? Yep. So, and you know, me and the bank manager after the, my start are now, you know, besties. <laughs> yeah, like he's just happy I paid it back, and he's offered me more funding. So, yep. yeah, better the
0: devil. better the devil you know. You know I I, think. I, we work we work with, we work with banks, love them. I mean, I yeah. that I when I first got going, I had a marvelous bank manager whos sadly now retired, but I'm still with the bank, same bank, who gave me an open line of credit, so I could ring him up the day after an auction and say what I'd bought. That's incredible. And I don't know anyone else have <laughs> been in that position it was marvelous actually so that was really fun because you could just you just knew what was going to happen and it was great and you know the, the the bank fund a lot of the stuff we the big stuff we do now but some people are very frightened of institutions and I don't understand why I mean presumably it's exactly the same as having an investor you've got to build a relationship they do ask for a lot of paperwork don't they yeah there's a lot of jumping through hoops I
1: don't know I think private investor to me feels like more effort in terms of you know they could call you at any point I guess the bank can as well, but just that it's more fragile because it's relying on your relationship with that one person. Whereas with the institution, there's lots of people making that decision. I don't know. It it feels safer to me to deal with that. And I guess my experience is of dealing with an institution rather than an individual investor. But had I, you know, taken on this business and it was an individual investor, I'd probably still be working with them. So I think it's just, it's just what I know now. Absolutely.
0: This may sound funny to some, but you know, have you ever found being a woman in on a property site a problem, or have you had some experiences that you know just made you think, "Hang hey, on a second, you put have done that was if you are a man. If I was a man,
1: yeah." The classic one is always. So when I started the first two years, I was on site every day, and I was working as as the site manager and the project coordinator and everything. So, but I would get to drive, like, you know, drivers or, or new contractors that would arrive on site. They'd walk straight up to me and they go looking for the man in charge. <laughs> or like all the, every week I would get that. And depending on who it was, I'd be, I would either go, Oh, I, I I don't know where he is. Or um, I'd be like, actually it's me. So yeah, it, it's just, it, it is what it is. That's the culture. I'd like to say it'll change in my lifetime, but I don't know whether it will.
0: Well, I've seen it change enormously. I mean, the first time I built anything, we had the big welfare pods and I walked in on day two or something and it was wall to wall porn. And I saw bits of female Ah. anatomy I'd never seen before. And I thought, well, I can either, you know, throw my teddy in the corner and shriek and and run in the opposite direction. Or I can deal with it. So I rang a gay friend of mine and I said, now, this is my problem. Can you send me the best gay porn you've got? And so he did overnight, bless his heart. And I stuck it up on the other side of the room. And um, these chaps were gorgeous to look at, these photographs. Um, Anyway, next day I walked in, there wasn't a single picture left they'd all come down. Message received. Yeah. <laughs> no one ever mentioned it again. And I've never, and you know, I have the same people working with me year, for years later and it's never, ever happened again. And I thought, well, that's actually a way forward is, is just always to work to the same level and do exactly the same back. And then suddenly somebody goes, well, oh, I don't really like that. Don't like how that's happened to me. Um, I once had somebody try and kiss me on site <gasps> and i uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, it was quite funny. I got him, he was fired that day. And the ne- a few weeks later, the same thing went to happen. And literally one of the brickies shouted, don't do that. Because the last one who tried that got fired. How dare they, though? How dare they? Yeah. And it was, but it was one of the things that I thought, I'm not going to, I made no fuss about it at the time. I just dealt with afterwards because so I thought, nope, not having him on site. But it did amuse me. And it was one of those things people always say that it can be an intimidating place to work as a woman. But it also, quite honestly, it can be fun and amusing and exciting, can't it? There's that, an element of like being quite lonely, being the only woman
1: on site. But there's also, yeah, sometimes I quite like it because you're unique to that
0: to that site. And actually, you know, you're memorable then to people. Yes. There are some damn sites. I mean, I've always I always say to women who are new uh, on site, if you are someone who has a fringe, do be careful with concrete dust. I don't know if you've had the same experience. If you keep taking your hard hat on and off with concrete dust, your hair goes very brittle and breaks off. Oh no, I didn't know that. But thank you. <laughs> um, and <laughs> you learn every day. <laughs> you do. I I had a terrible few weeks where I always had to wear a paper bag on my head because my hair was just doing terrible things and all broken off. Now most men couldn't care less, but as a woman, that really mattered to me. Call me vain. Wow. wow. Yeah. So there are some some things that you know can be uh, difficult. but you know do you have any sort of bits of advice that you could give a new a new girl on the block, so to speak, and say this is what you should do? I think it's to educate yourself as much as possible before
1: you break ground like before you start on that site so you can have as much credibility as possible. but also be honest when you don't know. you know so many times I've not known the answer and I've said, look, I actually don't know the answer to this. What do you think? How would you do it if this was your house? So yeah, prepare yourself as much as possible, educate yourself as much as possible, but also be honest when you don't know the answer.
0: Yeah. To a certain degree, they're going to expect you to have no knowledge anyway. So yes. so yes.
1: sometimes you can use
0: that to your advantage. Exactly. <laughs> you can't go down in their estimation.
1: You can only go up. You can only go up. So you might as well just be honest and say, like, actually, I've never done this before. What do you think? Yeah. Absolutely. Sometimes you used to do a straw poll with whoever contractors were there that day, right? How do we finish this fireplace? Yes. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Okay, let's try that one.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And they, and it's because the practical people often do know stuff that the rest of us don't know, because presumably your job now is to work with spreadsheets and numbers and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah, it is. It's to oversee the development,
1: but, but, you know, mainly I need to be making sure that there's longevity in the business. So there's pipeline, there's finance, there's funding.
0: So with that, have you found there's been a a, a rapid learning again with the ups and downs of the interest rates in the last two years? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, to start with, I knew nothing about finance either.
1: You know, I couldn't read a sheet or profit and loss. And I did a business degree when I was like, you know, 18, uh, 18, 19, 20, but it doesn't, it's all theory. And until yeah. you've actually, you know, by the time that I needed to actually read a balance sheet, been a long time since I'd actually studied it. And I, you know, and it's, yeah. So, so that was, I so I had to educate myself on finance. I had to educate myself on lending, on mortgages, on bridging
0: loans, all of it. So, and, and interest rates do make a difference as to how you make a decision as well, doesn't it? they do absolutely and you know how many projects you can
1: take on what you can take on how important the time scale of the build is when you're looking at interest rates as well yes yeah it impacts an awful lot so presumably you've got quite a big appetite for risk though it's funny because my appetite for risk now I'm more educated about development is much less funny <laughs> <laughs> that isn't it yes somebody asks me I spoke at an event the other the other week and somebody said to me and they were really well educated. I think they were a chartered surveyor or something. And they were just going, "I'm, I'm looking at, I want to get started, but I'm looking at every project, and it just all looks too risky." And I, and they said, yeah. "Why don't you get started?" And I went, "Well, I didn't understand the risk, yes. so I did it. Correct. Now I understand the risk. I actually
0: do a lot less, or uh, take yes. a lot less risks anyway." Well, I, I always laugh because I, I've employed a lot of building surveyors over over the years, and very, very few. I mean one or two have got a portfolio. The others have, can only see the problems in a building that I'm sending them into, which is their job. That's what I want them to find. But even so, it puts them off. And yet the man who I who I met on the ground, who had the biggest buy to let portfolio I ever met, was the man in the bobble hat who put the little bits, in the, the stiggles in the wall to see how much movement had happened on on buildings that had subsidence. Because he had seen the worst happen all the time. That's what his job was. And yet he could see he knew exactly how it could be remedied and it would all come out right. And he just constantly bought because he said, I know what, what the risks are. And so that was a really fascinating sort of uh sort of side by side appraisal of them. And I just loved that. And it is true, the more you know, the more worry you have. But if you can read a spreadsheet, the worry goes away.
1: Yeah, I guess that's where I take my comfort. Um, from there's a lot I don't understand about buildings and about construction and about groundworks, but I can read a spreadsheet now, so that is my uh, my saving grace.
0: And also, brilliantly, you also understand the other thing that many property people completely overlook, and that's the difference between turnover and profit.
1: Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, luckily, luckily, I do make some profit now, which is nice. <laughs> so, so,
0: someone who's now listening to this and going, "Oh, sorry, sorry, what was that again? What is the difference, and why does it matter?"
1: Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of a lot of um, property developers will talk about their projects in terms of GDV, yeah, which which is in effect turnover. So that's basically all the money you expect to come in when you sell the properties. So, let's say, for example, my last project was a seven point five million GDV. Yep, which sounds amazing. That doesn't take into account all my costs. No. <laughs> right. That's just the sellout price if I, you know, when I sell out, but if I sell out the, the properties. But, you know, build costs are going to be about 4 million on that. Yeah. So, you, and then other costs as well. So you've got to take all of that out.
0: Yes. And and that is, and that of course, and don't forget about paying yourself. And that doesn't, that, that's across the board, whether you're doing your buy-to-lets or you're doing big developments. It, actually, it's the profit That makes you go on to the next project, not your turnover. Mm. And it's the profit that the, you
1: know, the lenders want to see, you know, from your luck to get a lending for the next project.
0: Yes. Are you a very sort of, you know, absolutely. People go under all the time and often it is because they haven't got the cash flow, which again is, has to be managed and then the profit. But Charlotte, you've obviously thoroughly enjoyed doing what you're doing at the moment. How do you actually run your time? Are you based in one place permanently or... Do you go elsewhere? Not anymore, Rachel. I, don't... <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> I. So, if anyone that follows me on Instagram will know that I'm always posting from wherever I am in the world. Yeah. Um. But I actually, once I'd built up built up my property portfolio, my buy-to-let portfolio, I refinanced a couple of the houses and used it to buy myself a property in Marbella in Spain. Yep. And I just chose that based on the fact that I went on Google and I googled sunniest place in Europe. <laughs> and that's, and that's what came out top. So I thought that's, that's the one. Um, so I went 325 days of sunshine a year. So I have that bolt hole where it's accidentally become one of my best in property investments I've ever made. It's just gone up in value 30 or 40% in about 18 months. So again, wasn't, didn't invest in it for that. It was an investment for me to go uh, have a break and enjoy the sunshine. Yep. But there we go. Um, and then I also love to travel as well. I've got, you know visit different countries. I've been to Mexico. I've been to the Bahamas this year. Um, And I can I like to say that I can sit on the beach and
0: build houses. Absolutely. Well, as long as you've got a laptop, as long as you've got an internet connection, it is perfectly possible to keep on top of everything, isn't it? As yeah, long you as your site manager's got his phone on, we're, <laughs> we're in business. <laughs> Absolutely. And it comes back to those core, cool, boring things of having a really good team about you, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. And you know, it hasn't
1: always been like that. And it's taken me four years to get to the point where I can go away and know that um, everything's in good hands. Yeah. Cause so you've
0: got to put the hard work in somewhere, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. It does. Yeah. I've
1: been able to promote those guys that started on the tools um, early on. I've been able to promote them up into like management positions so that I've worked with them. They know my standards. I know theirs. And so there's that level of like trust and respect there. So when I am away, I, I, I've i worked with them for the last four years. I've worked side by side. I've swept floors next to them. You yep. know, I know what they do. And so, yeah, but it takes time to it does. to build that yeah. team. And I'm only yes. four years in. I'm talking like I've been doing this
0: for like 20 years and I haven't. It's only four years. But that, so very, you know, again, those of us who've been in forever, it does seem like it, I mean, <laughs> nearly 25, but you don't, you're not always as full on, Every single year, there are periods. Once you get going, Mm -hmm. you will have lulls and everything else because just, just been the nature of the game. And also, markets change. So you think, oh, I might do a little bit of that or I might do something else. And you could possibly go and concentrate on doing buildings some more in your portfolio or something. But as you say, you've got 50 something buildings in your pipeline. Are you able to stand down for Christmas? Are you able to have holidays? You know, and then, you know, Christmas is the only time. When the construction industry shuts
1: down, it shut down Absolutely. two whole weeks. Yeah, um, But, uh, you know, I'll, I work every day, so I don't have a day off. I might go for two weeks holiday, but I, there's never a day when I'm not working. And that's the sacrifice that you make when you've got your own business. You do get a lot of freedom, but you also have a lot of responsibility.
0: Yes. Both sides of the coin, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Do you have a nightmare story? Because I know that one, one of the things that uh, you know, I always quote the fact that it's a very small nightmare. But for instance, years ago, I had failed to take on board the reason why everyone says don't walk underneath a ladder. And it's nothing to do with black cats or bad luck or anything, but things come off ladders and a tube of silicon landed in my hair which resulted in me having to, and I always have long hair, having to have most of my hair cut off into a pixie, which doesn't suit. Did you have your hard hat on? No, on that. It was, it was safe. It was an indoor. It was um, past that stage and I thought, I'm safe. No, never again. So, you know, that is always the nightmare, that, which is very frivolous, very frivolous, but it always comes to my mind. Do you have anything that pops to your mind, which makes you go hot and cold when you just think about it?
1: Yeah, I had. Um, okay, so the, the site we're working on at the moment, we got a, I got a, um, a firm in to go and strip, and um, there were some old farm buildings on it. So I got a firm in to go and strip the old farm buildings, strip the roofs, not demolish them and things like that. They actually went and stripped the roof of the next door neighbor's garage. Oops. Ow. And it was listed. And there were bats in it.
0: Oh, what a marvelous combination! Talk about every kind of no-no <laughs> you could imagine. Because you've got and those in- neighbours already hated us. <laughs> <So> <laughs> it was like, oh, really? <laughs> and they've got the wax models out of you and were sticking pins in. And natural England, or was it Welsh bats that came after you? Because they are so protected. St- I'm actually, it's still in the pipeline that one.
1: Yeah, So I'm still waiting for the fallout on it. So- it's just one of those things, though, right? So, I mean, yep. in fairness to the to the to the contractors, there was a bit of a dog leg where this building kind of stuck out a little bit in, into the development site. So, I get it, but obviously they didn't look at the yeah, it's very drawing. Easy. And at the time they were doing that, our site foreman wasn't on site. It was lunch or whatever. It's just a, a catalog of errors on that one, really.
0: Absolutely, but that's the everyday story of property developing. That happens all the time, isn't it? You know, people fall through roofs, people do things they're not meant to. I walked under ladders. You know, everything that you. When the cold light of day, you go, that was avoidable. When you're in the middle of it, it's not. It just happens. So I'm sure you're going to have many more exciting episodes like that as you do more and more. You know, I, I always wait for mine. You know, what's this? What's yeah. going to happen on this site? Yeah. Um, you know, even a small building will have something jolly happen to it. Um, yeah. But there we are. Well, thank you so much for finding the time because you really are a very busy person. And it, you know, it may only take an hour, but it, it's difficult sometimes to find that in an hour. So, thank you very much for joining me today.
1: No problem, Rachel. I see this is my therapy session. I got it all off my chest. You know what it's like when you're a property developer. You work alone. <laughs> <laughs> I feel this is good therapy for me, for you, for the listeners.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to The Property Solopreneur with me, Rachel Troughton. If you've enjoyed this episode, do hit subscribe and kindly leave a review and share this podcast with anyone you think it would help on their property journey. If you'd like to get hold of my guide for building a successful property business, go to racheltroughton.com forward slash checklist. We only live one life. So let's get your dream a reality through building a profitable property business. If you found my stories inspiring and my content useful, then come find out more about my mentoring and strategy sessions by going to www.racheltrouten.com and book a discovery call with me. The banner link is on every page. Come and create and grow your own property business. That's the shortcut to success.